Welcome to Sheer Clarity, the show that will teach you about leadership by attraction, building self-awareness, and how to develop exceptional self-management abilities that will help you become more reflective, more open, more trusting, and more engaging with the people who matter to you most. In other words, make you a better leader. Head on over to SheerClarity.com where you can learn more, subscribe to the show, and connect on social media. And now, here's your host, Jay Kevin McHugh. Hey everyone, Jay Kevin McHugh. I am the host of Sheer Clarity. This is a podcast where we're going to talk with top business leaders about how to become leaders by attraction. What does that mean? Well, here's what I think it means. If you're a leader by attraction, it means within seconds of meeting you, people automatically come to a belief they can trust you. They sense you're open. There's no hidden agenda and you are intensely committed to helping others succeed. It all will start with you having sheer clarity about who you are. And this is about a journey to self-awareness on steroids. So visit us at sheerclarity.com where you can learn more, look at the episodes. But in a nutshell, what we've decided to do since we launched the podcast in June, I've posted about 35 episodes outlining a lot of the principles about sheer clarity and self-awareness and honesty and trust and plenty of concepts. And then it was just time to sort of put these to the test and let's talk to real people who are actually in the workplace and they're trying to be the best leaders they can be. And there's so much to learn. I know I try to be brilliant, but you know what? After 35 episodes, there's only so much one man can have. So it's time to bring people on. And today's guest is Toby Levin. Toby when I Googled Toby, well, I've known Toby for years. We met maybe 15 years ago, and we ping each other every now and again. But he always has stuck in my mind as a guy who's fascinating to me, is high energy, high intrigue, high interest. And when I finally got him on the phone and we talked about doing it, he was gracious enough to come on the podcast. And he's going to be a great guest because he has an amazing experience this is a guy who's been an entrepreneur. He's been working from the time he was a kid. Um, he knows how to make money. He's been in the world. He's been a founder. He's been an employee and a hired gun. He's been a CEO. He's currently a CEO of Cleanmark Labels. I'll let him tell you a little bit about that. But he's also very passionate at this time of his life about purpose and meaning and helping others find purpose and meaning. And he has a, a, an amazing uh, website out on YouTube. He's got a channel. It's called Hunting for Purpose. I'll let him tell you more about it. But I want to welcome him. I'll let him do the, uh, the story and tell us what's going on. Toby, welcome to Sheer Clarity today. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Glad to be here. It's so great to have you. Uh, so I would like you to maybe start with just maybe a snapshot of today. Like what, is, what are you doing? man we, you know you've got so many hours of waking time and um i i alluded to i see you in two two zones so just kind of give everybody an understanding of um what you're doing right now and then i'll ask you to segue into a little bit about how you grew up how did you get here okay oh man oh yeah Sorry, and you can right? do that and you can do that in like 10 minutes it's 2 minutes sure right uh you know what am I doing today? You know, my number one focus right now is setting my two daughters up for success as adults. They're, they're 11 and 12, we homeschool. And I'm doing everything I can to 
merge my passion for helping people find their purpose, you know, starting with my daughters, but old, young, and everyone in between with what I do as a CEO. Mm. Uh, that's, that's the puzzle that I spend every day working to solve. Interesting. And, and do you have a, a, when you say merge and purpose and you're merging CEO as an executive, as a leader in what's going on in that world, in that space, and your passion for helping people have purpose, can you just maybe tease that out a little bit more? And- yeah, there's a bit to unpack, right? Um, you know, part of my story is I intensely disliked school from kindergarten. And it was an absolute battle all the way through college, which um, that's a whole nother, probably a podcast. And throughout that time, I was an incredibly hardworking kid outside of school. So despite the fact that I did everything to avoid schoolwork, I was the exact opposite outside of it. And I won the respect of of a lot of adults. And so I had this just two-world experience. In school, I was a failure, but in what seemed to me like the real world, everyone was saying, I wish my kid was like you, and I was getting opportunities and more responsibility everywhere I turned. And this really stuck in my head, even as a little kid. I was like, something's not right here. There's something about what we're teaching ourselves that doesn't connect with real adult life. And, uh, you know, and then as I got into adult life, I, you know, as a kid, you think all the adults have it all figured out. When you become an adult, you realize they don't. (laughs) But you remember that maybe as a kid, right? I mean, it's like, you know, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, I mean, they've got it all dressed up until you finally become Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so and and you realize, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and, and of course, my experience with YPO, I mean, what a gift to be in, you know, uh, these these close forum experience with eight to 10 or 12 men or women over the course of several decades and getting to know the real, real behind the scenes of real people. Because I remember the first one I walked into is a sense of I don't belong here. Everyone's got their stuff figured out. I don't. And then you realize, wow, we're all hurting. We all have stuff we've been through. And so I, I look at this adult experience. I look at this business experience, what we struggle with at work, what we struggle with at home. And I work backwards and I say to myself, what on earth are we doing? Why, with all of our resources and all of our success in this country, are we having so much difficulty at work and at home? Mm. And that's been a central question of mine. And so now that my wife and I have two beautiful little daughters, it's we're saying to ourselves, how do we prepare them for adult success? I mean, how, you know, we felt like in many ways we were just set up to be blind, you know, just blindsided. Yeah. And we're like, so we've studied this hard. And uh, I, I, I am just so drawn to your message of about being an attractive leader, leadership by attraction. In my journey, I ran into a number of concepts that I, I couldn't wait to share with you. One of them is this notion of push versus pull. I feel like directionally, we're raised to learn how to push, how to push my agenda, how to be a go-getter, which 
on the one hand sounds like a noble thing, but really when you break it down, the go-getter is trying to figure out how to get from others. And, and it, you know, even though we dress it up and we use a lot of clever language, when you're, we, you and I talked about this just before we started recording, when the going gets tough, you start to realize what someone's real agenda is. Right. And it's, and it's repelling. It, it, there's an energy to it that's repelling. It could be moderate, really repelling, or it could be absolutely repulsive. It's a spectrum. Yep. Yep. But then there's its opposite, right? Pull, attraction. And when you know within seconds that someone is, that you can trust them, that they're open, that they're intensely committed to helping others, as you set, set up so perfectly there, that's attractive. You know, we want to be around people that we feel like will help us, that we feel like exist um, for a purpose that's good. Correct. Correct. Let, let, let me just jump off of that. Like three things have happened. And as we're speaking, you know, I'm trying to picture like thousands of people listening, right? We have this audience yes. and we're talking to them. And I want to tell them, first of all, um, Toby used the words, uh, the letters YPO. It stands for Young Presidents Organization. And just so you know what it is, it is the world's premier organization for presidents and CEOs to actually develop who they are and how they lead. That's what it's committed to. And they have a global reach with close to 30,000 members around the world. And they gather in a variety of formats. And that includes huge annual conferences, regional, there's education, there's access. And then Toby mentioned its smallest dimension. It's called a forum. So if you lo locally belong to a chapter, you'll have an opportunity to join this group. It's got eight to 10 CEOs, just like you are. And the entire mission of that group is to lay down every ounce of armor you wear so that you are there completely and utterly transparent, 100% exposed, 100% vulnerable. And it's a trick. And I've been trying to do this. I'm a facilitator for YPO for 30 years. And to get people to lay down their armor, as Toby's talking about, and just be genuine and real is really hard. And why? Well, he already said it. They're trained, and you as a listener, if you're on a CEO now or if you envision yourself one day as a leader, you've probably got a push mentality. You've probably been trained to go get it, to hit the numbers. It's all performance. And when I was listening to Toby talk about performance, he had the gene from as a kid. I totally get it. I have the same gene. It's all about paper roots caddying, supermarkets, and I did. I got accolades after accolades from the people who were my bosses. They gave me more responsibility, more assignments. And college, I hated it. I flunked out. Villanova was flunking out of Penn State. I mean, it was just terrible. And then eventually I had to get a degree so I could have it on the resume, and that's how I felt about it. So I want you to picture now, he's talking about CEOs who, when you come down to it, are realizing that the push mentality 
is actually sending energy out. And in, yes, they may get what they want in terms of success, but in the process, they're getting people repelled. They're not attracted. And so I'll come back and get Toby back in. Maybe this, this pull piece has a little more to it. Like, okay, so how is it I'm trained and taught by the world to crush it? I mean, I don't know where I heard that term. I've heard it like the three or four times by people. We're going to crush it. <clears throat> We're going to crush this goal. We're going to crush this achievement. And I hope the people who are listening are loving this because I know they've heard it where they work. And, okay, everybody's out there with a crusher, and we're over here starting to talk about what's the opposite of crushing it? What's the opposite of being still? What's, you know, or the opposite is being still. Um, so talk to me more about how you evolved. How did, how, when did you learn and how did you learn this push thing wasn't the thing and that there was something about you being quiet and still and caring and loving and supportive that was drawing people and getting to this place of attraction. Do you That's know great, when that started to happen or how long that took? I, I, I do, yes, very well. And, and, it, and I'm sorry for not explaining YPO, so thanks for doing that. No I need to do the personality there. Um, you know, in the course of being a bit of a junkie, you know, reading the books, hearing the speakers, going to the seminars, and of course, YPO gives you a ton of opportunities to oh do that God. above and beyond all the other ones that exist. Um, you know, you're always hearing a story and the person's introduced, you know, I'd like to introduce so-and-so, they built this, it's this many sales, they IPO'd, you know, whatever those specific, like, things were. And it's like, oh, wow, big company, I've heard of that brand, right? But then I started to notice, like, one out of every 20 keynotes, whatever the ratio was, they had the same resume, you know, whatever, credentials or accomplishments. Yep. But there was something completely different about how they went about it. And the, the term I started to use at the time, and I even wrote a little book about this, just one of those things you do to kind of just get it out of your head. I didn't do much with it. It's on Amazon somewhere. I don't think it's even in print anymore. But it was called about being, re they're remarkable. They're people who you will remark about. Is that and, the title of the book? Yeah, remarkable. Remarkable. Okay. Yeah. And... I'm not trying to pitch it. It's just a no, it's cool. little, little thing I did. I'm yeah. It. I love it. Uh, but the, 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 the epiphany I had is that they came from a place of leadership about something. Yes, they had a business that had a service or a product, but it was like a stage for their contribution to the world. Mm. And that the, the the really interesting practical thing, like people that are listening that I try to convert from this push over to the pole that I'm trying to pull to pull, <laughs> right? you have to give them these steps because I had to go through these myself. You have to somehow replace an old belief with a new belief, right? Mm -hmm. So that you can start to take new behaviors so you can get different results. And the difference is that those numbers that we're supposed to go crush and, and deliver are a consequence of something. That they're they're just the market's way of voting. I like you. 
I'll come back to your restaurant. I'll come back to your company. I'll do more business with you. And in, you know, I have spent a bit of time doing some CEO coaching in addition to doing my own work. And I started to discover that at this point in the economy, this is very common of YPO businesses. They're successful, they're mature, they're established, they're stable, but they're really struggling with growth. Mm -hmm. And the, and when you have is the company I run, you know, we've got a great operation, fantastic people, but let's face it. We sell something that's pretty much a commodity. Right. How People aren't going to come rushing to your door. There is absolutely nothing I can tell someone about our capability as a label manufacturer that's going to make them go, oh, wow. Yeah. Right? Now, when you first show up with the first iPhone, the first smartphone, you're going to have a tidal wave of interest. And we had that back when we had, um, we were the first label company to do clean room labels. Right? So all of a sudden you have this moment mm -hmm. of huge demand, no supply. And so... What, what happens though is that eventually gets equalized and you find yourself running a company and you're yelling at your salespeople, you're yelling at marketing and you're saying to yourself, how do we get more attention? How do we get people to buy? And that's where we have this just distasteful push marketing, pushy salespeople kind of anxiety. As much as you try to dress it up, that's how the customer feels. Yes. And so what I've been working on in my own leadership and in my coaching is how do you help a person tune into something they care deeply about infuse it, weave it into the culture of their company so that customers are pulled towards you for something completely different than your product or service. That's right. There's something about doing business with you that every person communicates by their energy, yes. by their encounter. It, they may be in a call center and they may be following the script and they're going to watch the seconds tick off and they got to make sure that their average call time is X, X. You know what I mean? I mean, yes, they're pressurized to do it. But does that person actually, while they're there, care? Right. That I actually care about this person. And you, and you said it uh, beautifully and, and you were talking about steps I just want to repeat these. An old belief gets changed to a new belief. Based on the belief, the old behaviors changing to the new behaviors. And that's when your outcomes going from push to pull. And I want people listening to hear this. Sheer clarity is about you being clear at the foundation of who you are and why you exist. If you're not in touch with that, you bypass the belief basis and you're out there learning behaviors. But the behaviors aren't based on some core foundational belief. The moment your world falls apart, you're screwed. You're absolutely, you're screwed because like it's not going the way I expected. Now I'm losing it. Well, because you weren't grounded, Absolutely. you just ha you didn't know your foundation, and so and and to take it one step further, when I go into the public company environment, and I watch a CEO getting mashed in a boardroom, mashed by the investors, 
And then he or she is supposed to turn around and have this passionate sort of caring engagement with the people. I don't know how you pull that off. Uh, the guys and, and women who've done it are super rare because uh, most of them succumb to the pressure yeah. of the push and the market and the earnings. And uh, guess what? You can say all you want. I think you're better off not having a speech or a town hall meeting where you talk about stuff when you don't believe it. Just don't do it. Agreed. Pe pe people really have amazing radar. They know a phony when they hear one. And the moment you've gotten labeled as a phony, you're in trouble. So you talk about your transition from push to pull. Was there a moment or was it over time? Did you have an awakening? Like, when did you get it? Yeah, I... I it's, I guess it's more of a process. It's over okay. time, but um, it was during a dense time, I would say, of how it all came to, came together for me. Um, but it, it's been something that my brain has been kind of, my radar has been up for this since I was a little kid. So it's, to me, it's a familiar um, quest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I've been a, I've been a terrible leader and I've been a great leader and I've, I've trusted my heart and I've not trusted it. I've been that CEO being mashed by a board and gone back out and fought and the good fight. And I've been the CEO in that board meeting who's gone out and, you know, just been beaten down and it's just not a sustainable place for anybody. Sustainable place, meaning the push the push. The push man. You can push for a while, but it, there will be consequences. It will come out on your health. It'll come out in your marriage. It'll come out in your financial results. It's going to squish out somewhere somehow, and it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. So if there's a listener out there who's going, okay, where do I begin? What would you tell them? Or how would you begin? Yeah, well, I begin with really the fundamentals because if until we can speak the same language, I really can't help somebody, you know, whether or not they're even ready to be helped because what you and I are talking about is really a fundamental, I call it physics, right? If we were going to try to design a plane, we would have to be in agreement about, you know, aerodynamics and a lot of things like that. Otherwise, we'd just be throwing around our opinions. You know, Tobe, I don't like the shape of your plane. Well, who cares? It might fly awesome. <laughs> Let's have a physics conversation. Right. So, in, you know, uh, in less than until we can talk about the same game, we can't talk about how to play it better. Hmm. And push and pull are two completely different games. I can tell you how to play pull better. I mean, I mean push better. This book, this, the, the, the libraries are full of business books about how to do push. The, the consultants and the speakers are full of 10 steps, six step, 15 step lists of how to push better. Yeah. So when, when someone says, oh, I want to run my business better, I want to increase sales, I want to do all this other stuff, you have to first say to them, I can help you, 
but I'm here to teach you how to pull. I'll show you what pull is. We can spend a little bit of time, and you can kind of decide for yourself if you want to play that game. But I'm, I'm, but I'm here to tell you it's going to require a lot of internal <laughs> reprogramming, a lot yeah. of faith. Um, and what blows my mind is how many wealthy people I've worked with who don't have anything to lose, who have everything to gain over the next decade of their life, multi-decades of their life, to finish strong, to finish with a really positive, happy legacy, just can't get past the anxiety. And you ask yourself, what on earth do you have to lose? That's how addicted and stuck people can get around push. This is perfect because on the last episode, I interviewed Dave Maney, and we ended up stumbling into this topic towards the end. And this anxiety is connected with letting go of something. Like you talked about beliefs. If you've been raised and to believe in the push and you live your life in the push mentality, which means I'm getting, I'm scoring, I am. Uh, getting into a record book, I, and, I, and I record that with my money and my net worth and my company and my success. I'm on the Inc. 500. Okay, great. And if I'm asking you to shift from that to a pull, and they can't, I, we discovered in the call that it's probably connected with identity. It's, it's a function of coming to an integration of your very existence and identity is connected with all of the push and all of the performance. And you're telling me I have to let go of my identity? And I don't think people know that's what's happening. They'll actually come up with other reasons. I can't because, you know, my investors are this and that. I can't because this and this and this. I can't because I can't let the people down. I mean, do you know how many times I've actually heard somebody unable to let go? And they're, the reasons they give you, they're wonderful reasons. Like, I'll let people down. Um, you know, I, I'm committed to making sure all these people I employ are fed. and Right? And I don't th those are the reasons that they give you because yeah. they sound good and they yeah. justify what's really going on, which you said is anxiety. I got to uh -huh. jump on identity. It's one of my biggest words, Kevin. Um, this was a big learning for me that was during the same process. That's a really good story someday. <laughs> um, I literally met a wise man on top of a mountain. I kid you not. Um, and one of the things that he taught me is that the number one driver of all human behavior is a quest for identity. You know, basically inside our brains, we have this tribal jury of peers that we feel we must please. And, but it it's, goes far more than that. It's literally a biological survival conversation. And the conversation mm -hmm. basically goes like this. If I let that group down, I will be marginalized from the tribe or I will be excommunicated and I will die. I will be naked and alone in the woods and the saber-toothed tiger will eat me. Mm -hmm. And it sounds crazy that that could possibly happen in a boardroom with, with enough Danish and water to live for two months. Yep. 
and no saber-toothed tigers in sight. But that is exactly what's going on. Yep. And so my identity has a whole kind of computer belief code system inside of it, things that I believe deeply. And so when you tell me, Tobe, you know, if you could change this behavior, you'd get better results. If you could move from push to pull, your life would be better. And I'm like, man, that makes so much sense. You're, you're a wise guy, Kevin. God, that makes sense. But then the rubber hits the road, and I have to go change a behavior. Now, maybe it's a light one and an easy time, and I can pull it off. But like you said, when the going gets tough, and let's face it, that's when leadership really kicks in. That survival belief conversation that's all about my identity survival, it's going to take over. It's going to take over like an, you know, some sort of in-flight takeover system. And, yep. and, and you're along for the ride, baby. That's exactly right. So this identity piece is coming up now the second time in two weeks. So I've got people listening. They've tuned in because they think this is a leadership podcast and they're supposed to learn some things from people who've been out there. We have talked about push versus pull, about anxiety, old beliefs going to new beliefs, old behaviors and new behaviors. And then we arrive towards this place where we're talking about identity and you've connected it now with something that you learned from a wise one, that the stakes established around one's identity actually are viscerally prehistoric to the point of your worries of losing it can be connected with death. Loss of face, loss of the tribe, loss of connection, and the, the raw, sheer terror of being so alone unprotected. Right now, um, vulnerability is a hot topic that this woman, Brene Brown, started the conversation. Probably she's got to be seven or eight years now since she came on the scene. I'm a big proponent. I use the phrase appropriate vulnerability as a sheer clarity principle, just so that I can make sure most business people don't run for the hills. <laughs> Because it's really, really, really hard to get them to do that. So is that does that resonate for you as well? So if this identity piece and the fear around this is getting in touch with the nature of some kind of vulnerability, does that resonate with you? Is there is that part of the equation? Because if somebody's asking the question, well, how do I get to a pull? How do I let go? Or how do I reprogram myself? If I was willing to admit that you're right, I'm afraid, how would you help them? Where, what's the first thing to do to face? Okay, so we've had the conversation about the physics. I've laid out this is how the game is played, so we can at least be looking at the field and the players and the objective and the scoring all the same way. The next thing I want to show people is that there are players on the field that coordinate with one another to accomplish and learn, ultimately grow and prosper. And just like the seasons, there are four positions. There are actually four survival conversations, variations of that identity conversation that must exist in society for human beings to have gotten here. 
I won't go into the whole thing, but there's four of them. Two of them are offense and two of them are defense. You know that as a football player. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I show them to people, the light bulb goes off. And the reason I show them to them, because it's one thing to say, hey, you got to get over your identity fear. That's, that's a little too vague. But as soon as they see their specific identity conversation, I can then say to them, if your job is to take that concern and turn it into a contribution, that's the only antidote to anxiety. Mm -hmm. Okay. If I go up, the reason we go out trying to go get is because we're scared. What, what, what can happen in a very, tense situation survival of a plane goes down in the river there's a there's a car crash on the side of the road there are some people who in the midst of all of this danger and chaos can flip a switch and be all about helping other people and instantly as a consequence their own fear for themselves goes away and they feel awesome it's euphoric Believe me, I go through plenty of times when I feel anxious, but I'm getting a stronger and stronger ability to flip back into that space and remind myself, you know what, Tobe, you're feeling anxious. Just get out of your office and go make some people feel awesome. Wow. Amazing. I love it. It's resonating. It's resonating with me in, in an epic way. I, ha I am late to the game of going out and doing something purely for others and in my view only by god's grace did i get into it. i literally went to a fundraising for a prison ministry with my wife and we were ha halfway in the door felt somewhat underdressed and we're turning away and are almost out the door and the guy who invited me says McHugh, oh god we're caught and we get dragged back in that goes back three and a half or four years ago since that time, and just recently, I had a chance to sit with death row inmates in Ohio prisons. That absolutely has the effect of getting all of my, everything goes away, all of it. In fact, I'm even thinking of a forum experience that generated around this, like getting out of the pull or, or the push environments we live in completely into a place that has an experience that takes you out of so far away from that world of earnings and EBITDA and the whole bit just so that you can feel something fresh and new and different and you said it this way to turn concerns anxieties into contributions into caring and in some way all of a sudden all that anxiety and concern can go away and you say there's a switch that flips right does everyone have that switch i i believe we do but you know I, I i believe we do um it but it's i i think it's like a muscle and a skill right i mean um, I don't know, for some reason, skiing is coming to my brain, even though I don't ski much anymore. But, you know, the instinct of a beginning skier is to look down the hill with sheer terror at the fall line and to kind of turn away from it. 
which takes away all your control. Right. <laughs> it's the absolute wrong thing to do. But every fiber of your body at that beginning stage says, whatever you do, don't point your skis downhill. Right. <laughs> Same thing with riding a bike or whatever else. Right. But with some conditioning and some practice and some coaching and so forth, you can get better and better at realizing that in any moment of difficulty, overcome that fear instinct and, and make this other move. You know, I'm a pilot. That's another place where the instinct when there's some trouble is often to pull back on the yoke. Well, that's going to stall the plane and crash. Right. If you're stalled, you got to push it down. you got to make the plane go towards Earth, pick up airspeed, get it back over the wings, and regain control. Yep. You can learn to do that. I mean, this is what we teach our first responders and our, you know, our military to do. It's not easy, but I believe we can all learn. So, Toby, it's been amazing. I'm trying to keep it, uh, some time, uh, you know, awareness. Um, I like to do a couple of things towards the end of the interview, and one is just a couple of quick summary snapshots, what I call moments of sheer clarity that you came, uh, that you brought out so beautifully. One was the, the push-pull concept that we are so vividly committed and learning from the time we're children that the world is about a push, that be a go-getter, and we get rewarded, and we get accolades, but what you've come to realize, and I certainly have as well, is that people who have that go-getter attitude, it actually is a force and an energy that ultimately is a repelling force. It's powerful, it's pushing out, and it's hard for people to be attracted to that because at some point, when you're out there going and getting and you can use all sorts of team uh, language, if it's not because you love them and care about them, and it's really about your fear, of not being successful, they're going to pick that up. So somehow you need to shift that from a push to a pull. That's the spirit of, of attraction. And that requires some serious rewiring of your under, underlying belief system about what the game is and what the game about and the why of the game. And it isn't all about the push and going and getting because you and I have lived in a world where we've seen people who have, quote, gotten everything and they are still unhappy fundamentally unhappy so as you talked about this transition it was about shifting the underlying beliefs from old beliefs to new beliefs old behaviors then follow that belief system then you also landed on this idea that the actual transition requires you to confront some kind of fear some kind of anxiety like what where will you fit in the world? Where you, where you fit in the tribe? Will you be isolated? Will you be alone? Should you actually just continue to play ball the way it's, it's been? And then the last thing that you threw out, which was, uh, we could do a whole podcast on it. Maybe we will. was about taking anxiety and concerns and turning a concern into a contribution. And you had a wonderful description of what that looks like and how some people can suddenly get rid of all their fear in the middle of a tragedy and put their own lives at risk to basically help others. So that is a quick snapshot, a couple of bullets, a couple of moments of the things that I pulled out of there. I guess what I'd like you to, to do is a, a question that I'm going to close all my episodes with, and that is this. Um, standing where you are, in, in your life right now and turning around and looking down 
your past. Look at yourself. And somewhere when you see back when you were in your 20s, mid-20s, 23 to 25, there's Toby. If you could stand where you are today, knowing what you know now, and speak down to 25-year-old Toby, what, what advice would you have for him? I believed at the time that I had to go get something so that I could then go try to make the world a better place in the way that I shared earlier, my concern around, I guess I didn't know it as push and pull at the time. And what I would tell that 23-year-old Toby is that I want you to get up every day and figure out how to be a go-giver. Forget about everything else. Mm. Just trust me. Trust me, Tobe you are going to be blown away with how well it's going to work out. Hmm. Wow. So there you have it. Um, to my listeners, I want you to just hear that final thought. Be a go-giver. And the learning about doing that requires you to have some very serious, quiet conversations with yourself. You've got to shut your world out, turn everything off, Stop the inside, the, the onslaught of stimulation and activity that it keeps your brain from going inward and take some time to ask yourself the big questions. Why? Why am I here? Why do I exist? What is my purpose? I want to invite you to go visit Toby. Um, Toby, tell me the website. Um, where you have the YouTube channel or what the Google would get them out there to that channel. You know, uh, H4P, which is hunting for purpose dot us. So H the number four, the letter P is in Paul dot us okay. hunting for purpose. Well, I want everyone to go out there and, uh, see where that journey for purpose has taken Toby. And, um, let me thank you again, bud. Um, you just, so much content, so much for people to think about. I, I, I hope that's what the, the listeners are going to get. They, they, they tune in and we just kind of blow up their brains and make them think and think about the big picture and the big why. So thanks for coming on, brother. So listen, everyone, we're going to wrap this episode of Sheer Clarity up. I am uh, delighted to tell you that I've got two or three options that haven't quite... Uh, solidified for the next episode of Sheer Clarity, but I can guarantee you it's going to be amazing. And if you want to learn more about Sheer Clarity, go on to SheerClarity.com. That's SheerClarity, one word, dot com, and you will find us, you'll learn about us, and hopefully find the information you need to become a leader by attraction. That's all for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>